Blog Talk Radio. This is RJ International Marketing. I'm your host, RJ. This morning guest is Susan. I don't want to say Susan's name wrong, so I'm going to let her introduce herself. Susan, how are you doing this morning? I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. This is early for me. So uh, can you pronounce your whole name for me? It's Susie Pomerantz. Okay. I was almost going to I was going to say it wrong so um I thank you for pronouncing that. Uh thank you for being on the show this morning. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me, RJ. I appreciate it. No problem. So, Susan, tell us a little bit about yourself cuz I you know, reading here, you uh, you are MTMCC. So, I I don't know what that actually means. So, give our guests a little bit um, inside of what you do? Sure. I, the MT is a Master's of Teaching. I started out life as a school teacher, and the MCC means I'm a Master Certified Coach with the International Coach Federation, and I am an executive coach. I've had my executive coaching business for 16 years now, and basically what I do as an executive coach is I work with leaders and teams and help them find clarity in chaos. So working with leaders about leadership, working to help them with any kinds of communication or people challenges that they're having. And I also wrote a book called Seal the Deal, which talks about business development. So my two areas of focus are leadership and business development. Congratulations. Thanks. Uh, So what made you leave the school system? Oh, what a good question. That's a loaded one. I, you know, it's uh, all of my life I was supposed to be a school teacher, um, and I say that because when I was a little kid, and you know you're in first grade and they make you draw those pictures of what you want to be when you grow up, <laughs> well, I drew a picture of being a school teacher, and um, that was that was really the plan all along, and I went through college, got my master's in teaching, and, and got out into the world and taught my first few years and thought, wait a minute, this is not what I signed up for. Um, so I was very disillusioned, and I found that I got into teaching because I love kids and I love teaching. And I got out of teaching because I love kids and I love teaching. It turned out to be that it, that teaching was only about 3% of what I did in a day. And my colleagues were all very bitter about children, and I didn't want to end up like them. And so I saw the writing on the wall. I was 24 years old, and I said, you know what? This is not what I thought it was. This is not for me. There has to be a better way. Um, and, and I left teaching, and I spent about six months trying to figure out what I could do in corporate America with a teaching degree. I didn't have any idea how it would translate. And during those six months, I did informational interviews, and that turns out to be the best vehicle for networking that you could ever come across. And I interviewed 150 people. I started with three people that I knew and inter- interviewed 150 people and ended up really from those informational interviews, starting my coaching business. It all it all comes down to that. So explain, I mean, explain that interview process. Because, you know, um, teaching today is you have to be a um, call for it. So what made you, I mean, I'm like, you switched the whole 360 degree, but you still kept yeah. teaching that 180% of it. So... I mean, what made you to say, hey, the interview process? I'm, I'm trying to figure out, did you interview people or people interviewed you? I interviewed people, and I was searching for answers. I was At that point, I was really trying to figure out, okay, I spent my whole life up until this point trying to be a teacher, and that's not it for me. That's not cutting it. So so I, I'm on, I was on a quest. You know, I was trying to figure out, what else could I do with my skill set as a teacher and my areas of interest? And what ended up happening was in the course of, you know, I, I talked to, I started with three people that I know, and I asked them this core set of questions. And so this is going back, I don't know, 17 years ago when I when I did this. And 
the questions that I asked people were, what is it that you do for a living? What do you like and dislike about what you do? What can I do as a teacher in the world? You know, what, where can teaching skills translate into corporate America, if at all? What do you recommend I read, and who do you recommend I talk to? And those are the five questions that I asked everybody. And the reason I still remember them, you know, 17 years later is because it, because I interviewed 150 people with those same five questions. And, and that's how it grew. The first three people I talked to gave me names of other people to talk to. I followed up on every single name of who they said I should talk to. And every person gave me the name of someone else to talk to. So that's how I was able to get to so many people in such a short amount of time. And I asked them all the same questions, and I learned a lot. I learned that what made sense as a natural transition from teaching into corporate America was to do some kind of corporate training. And so that's how I really started my coaching business was I was coaching a little bit. Um, I had about 40 coaching clients, which is why I started the business. That's a whole other story how that started. But the corporate training was something that I was doing while I was building up the coaching side of the business because that was the natural transition from teaching. You know, it still allowed me to build on my skills as a teacher, but instead of working with little kids, I was working with, with adults. Fantastic. Now, is it a difference between adults? Uh, and children in this learning process? Uh, yes and no. Um, you still need to understand the dynamics of how people learn and that there are different learning styles, and that's true whether you're a child or an adult. But what's different is that children children prefer to have learning um, created for them, whereas adults prefer to create their own learning. So um, so learning, really learning the distinctions between adult learning and, and student learning um, you know, that wasn't too big a jump for me because I had been a student of how to teach for so long. Uh, but that sure. wasn't hard to do. Now, reading uh, some of your information here, you were working with leaders, and uh, you was over 135 organizations. Yep. Internationally, including seven companies on the Fortune 100 list. Now, that's amazing to me well, that you. you start from – teacher, and then you made your way to say, hey, this is not good for me. Let me get this going. How would you tell our listeners, our core listeners right now, how can they maneuver into that process of changing their careers? Well, it's a very timely question, given that so much is going on in the global economy and people are finding themselves saying, you know what, you know, they're fearful of losing their jobs, they're fearful of being stuck in a career that they don't like anymore just because they're desperate to keep a job. And so I would encourage anybody who has any kind of sense that this is not for me to be true to yourself. Life is short, and we spend so much of our life working that we might as well be doing something we love doing. And if you're not doing something you love doing right now, Take the jump and make the change because what do you have to lose? You know, all you have to lose is a job you hate, <laughs> right? Absolutely. That's not much of a loss right there. So, it, you know, I would encourage everyone to just be true to yourself and ask yourself, what do I really want? Where can I, where are my gifts and talents and strengths best used? And where can I make the biggest difference and the biggest contribution to the world? And if you're stuck in a job you hate and if you're, just staying there out of scarcity thinking that, you know, oh, I better keep this job because everyone else is losing their jobs and I might lose this one. And, you know, that's no way to live. You're going to be miserable, and that's going to carry over into other areas of your life too. So the secret to happiness is just being happy, doing what makes you happy and doing work that you love and making a difference and and leveraging your own strengths and skills in the workplace. Right. Um As a as a person who owns a business, how would you display this for women to empower them? Well, that's an interesting that's a very interesting question because being a woman when I first started my business was something I felt that I had to overcome, not not that I was um giving up you know, who I am as a woman or trying to hide that in any way, because obviously you can't <laughs> hide that. Oh, um, <laughs> but it was something that I was very aware of as a young woman, particularly, because when I started my coaching business and training, I'm in these organizations talking to executives who have been executives longer than I've been alive. You know, I remember the first time I went up to DuPont, I was 
talking to an executive there. I was 24 years old, and I was aware, I was so aware that this man was looking at me like I was this little girl. You know, he wasn't seeing a woman. <laughs> he was seeing a little girl because he'd been an executive for 30 years, and I'd only been and alive. he wasn't doing nothing about it. So, you know, I think for as women, um, what's really important is to, to honor who we are as women and the fact that our, our natural leadership style as women is something that's re- that really does make a difference in the workplace. And there's a lot of research now that's starting to support that, that says, you know, women's brains and men's brains are wired differently, and that women as leaders have a lot of really natural and different tendencies than men's natural tendencies as leaders, some of which really does affect the bottom line in positive ways in organizations of all kinds. So, um, so I would say, you know, if you're a woman, be proud, own it, leverage it, work with your strengths as a woman, and um, a- and you can play with the big boys without having to give up um, who who you are as a woman. But there's some things you've got to understand, um, and I learned this the hard way that the the boys, the big boys in business are playing a game, and it's different than the way we little girls learned how to play. So as a little girl. You learn how to play with dolls and tea parties and, you know, communications and, and making making community happen. And the boys are, meanwhile, playing football, right? So wow. it, when you get into business, it's very different because the, the big boys are still playing football in a way. The game of business is just like, you know, guys out on the football field will knock each other down and hurt each other, but then at the end of the game, you know, they're slapping each other on the butt and going out for pizza and beer. Well, in business, it's like that in business too, you know. Men can the way men play business, the, you know, they knock each other down. And so if you're a woman and you're play, you can't go into business playing dolls and tea parties. You got to go in expecting to get knocked down and have it not be personal. You know, that's the, that's the big difference I see um in women leaders is the ones who really succeed are the ones who learn not to take it personally when they get knocked down because as women, we look at these guys, they knock us down, we're hurt, we're wounded, and we go, what do you mean you want to go out for beer and pizza? No, you just hurt me. <laughs> you know, so we, it, it's not, we just have to understand that the, they play the game differently. And unless we're playing with other women where we can, you know, have nice little tea parties in the workplace, we have to learn to get knocked down and take it and not take it personally. I, I am so glad that um, I have you on, on our show because this is what, the New Year's need to bring in. So empowerment for women, yeah. encouragement for men to understand that what's going on in our yeah. economy, and uh, it is a personal feel from a different perspective. Um, if you want to call in and speak to Susie, cause maybe she can answer some of your questions, um, 646-716-6089. That's 646-716-6089. Six zero eight nine. Now, I found you on Twitter, and I read your bio and looked at it. And I'm like, hmm, this this woman has it going on here, <laughs> and um, and I'm like, man, I read all the way down. I said, high performance, high potential, future leader, clarity in their vision, exceed and prior performance. I said, ooh. I got to talk to her. And <laughs> and the funny thing about it is that you couldn't, we, we had a, I had to develop a show for you because I really wanted to speak to you. And um, I couldn't do a night show, so I had to do it this morning show because you stay in top demand now, don't you? <laughs> it's true, and I appreciate all your flexibility. My schedule is a little bit nutty. <laughs> Yeah, trying to squeeze everything in, but I really appreciate your flexibility, and I know it's early for you, and I I really appreciate it because I wanted to talk to you too. I'm in, I'm enjoying talking to you. So explain that. Um, what made you say I'm gonna write a book? I'm gonna do a book because I think this is necessary for our community as women and the whole general of everything that goes towards it. Because you got to understand, men going to gravitate to women. You know, they're going to gravitate. They're going to read that book. Uh-huh. And women going to read it because it's necessary. So explain that to me. Well, the book was originally, um, so let me just back up and talk a little bit about what the book is. It's The book is called Sealed the Deal. 
and it's about the mindsets that are essential for building a business. And so it's not a step-by-step how to build your business from scratch kind of book. It's, it's about the mindsets and the way we need to think about d- business development. And, and I define business development in the book as three distinct arenas that work together in strategic concert. So it's networking, it's marketing, and it's sales. And those and, and the book spends some time talking about the mindset distinctions between those three things because a lot of people have them all glommed up together. So it's it's distinguishing networking from marketing from sales and talking about how we need to have activity in all three domains simultaneously in order to find that sweet spot where we can almost effortlessly seal the deal. And so that's what the book was about. And the reason I wrote that book, because, you know, I, I had no idea that the book was going to be as big a success as it was. I wrote it to give something back to my colleagues in the coaching world because everywhere I went as a coach, amongst other coaches, I was always – being bombarded with the same questions, which is, how did you get in these Fortune 100 companies? How did you sell coaching into these corporations? How do you do what you do? And I thought, well, I don't know. Let me deconstruct it and see if I can figure out how I do what I do so I can teach it to other people. And that's, and so the book started as a tele-seminar that I was doing for my colleagues to say, to bring executive coaches together and say, okay, here's what I did. Let's talk about how you could do it and what would be your natural way of doing it. And um, and if it's something that would work for you or not. And the tele-seminar the tele- had such great success that, it, that I just found that I was saying the same things over and over again, so I wrote it down in a book just to make it easier. When I get the questions, I can say, here, read the book. <laughs> it's in here. Um, and what I've been surprised is that a- after the book came out, um, not only did a number of universities and coach training programs want to take the book on as a textbook, but I started to find that other professional service providers were really valuing the mindsets that were in there, too. It wasn't just for coaches. So lawyers really like it. Um, anyone in a healing industry really likes it, so like therapists and social workers and things like that, and, and doctors and dentists and chiropractors. And then I, I, it's also found um, a really interesting audience in, um, like, IT consultants for some reason. I get a lot of emails from around the world from IT consultants saying that that's exactly what they needed. Um, so it's it's been interesting. It's You know, it's been really fun to get emails from, like, Nigeria and Australia. And <laughs> it's really My cool. Now, yeah. how – now, okay, the marketing aspect of your business, how did you become so successful – at marketing, and without putting in the budget, I mean, yeah, I mean, you didn't. I don't. I don't see anything that you. You really just. I mean, you just got to work, I guess. So yeah, I don't. I don't do any advertising. If and um, you know, some of the I don't do really the traditional marketing avenues. I don't do any direct mail or advertising or any of that. It's all because I'm in a professional service business. It's all word of mouth and it's all referrals. And so a lot of that has to do with. Um, understanding the art of referrals and understanding the sales cycle and the and the process of business development and the marketing that I've done. So so let me just distinguish a little bit. Networking is about making genuine human connections, like you know you and I meeting on Twitter and then being able to talk. That's networking. And then marketing is anything that you're doing that gets your message out there. So this interview is marketing. Um, doing anything on the web is marketing. Writing articles, public speaking. Um, you know, having having any kind of marketing materials like a business card or a brochure or anything like that, that's all marketing. And then um, sales is actually when you're having conversations with people for the distinct purpose of buying your services or products, um, where you're asking them to buy or asking them about creating a contract together, that sort of a thing. That That's a sales activity. So, um, so for me, it was learning how to integrate all three of those activities. So making sure that that at all the time I've got networking activities going on that I'm doing. And I don't mean by networking activities, I don't mean just going to networking events. I mean networking all the time with everybody you meet, <laughs> being open to relationships and looking for connections and having um, in the book I, I talk about the nine mindsets of networking. Um, so having those nine mindsets at play all the time. And then doing that as well as um, making sure that I spend time on the marketing activities, writing articles, publishing articles, doing talks, doing radio interviews, all of that. And then on the sales side, making sure that I'm having sales conversations, having sales meetings, and directly taking actions to forward the business. Because especially with coaches and attorneys, for some reason, I don't know why they're alike, but 
coaches and attorneys tend to think that if they just spend their time on marketing activities, like writing articles and doing talks, that that's going to naturally generate business. And it doesn't by itself generate business. You actually have to ask people to buy your services. You you can't just give a talk and hope or expect that people will just come up and want to buy. In some cases that works, but not, you know, you have to work it. (laughs) Now, I found you directly on Twitter. Uh Uh-huh. Has Twitter been a great asset to you by marching your business? Yeah, well, not. I mean, my business launched 16 years ago, and Twitter is something really new for me this year, but... It has been phenomenal. I have been so surprised. I mean, you've seen this too. You're you're doing a lot through Twitter. I've been really surprised at how much is going on in Twitter. I you know, I've been on LinkedIn, I've been on Facebook, I've done all these, you know, Plaxo, all these other things and, and not until Twitter have things really taken off as quickly as they have. And and so I would say for all of your listeners who are not yet on Twitter, get on Twitter. <laughs> it's fun. Absolutely. <laughs> It's like a big networking party where you can just drop in any time of day. and talk Any time to whoever, of day. Yeah, any time of day or night and just talk to whoever looks interesting to you. And it's great because you don't have to put on a suit. You don't have to have business cards. You know, you just get in there and play. And I've got, it's been so much fun. I'll, I'll tell you some of what's happened. I've only been on Twitter, I mean, like a month. I mean, not really long at all. And um, And so I've you know, been able to do this radio show with you. I, I had another invitation for another radio show. I talked to, um, I connected with MC Hammer, <laughs> which I thought was oh. really cool. Um, he was on Hammer? Twitter. What? I didn't know. I didn't know that. Yeah, MC Hammer on Twitter. And every once in a while, he'll put out a question, you know, and he'll, whatever people answer of the question, he'll like post everyone's answers on his blog. So I was, I'm on MC Hammer's blog. <laughs> Which kind of tickled me, and then um, it, it's what I love about it is that you get the news before anyone else. You know, it's really cool because as breaking news happens, people are all about all a buzz about it on Twitter, and then the next day I'll read it in the Wall Street Journal. So I feel like I'm ahead of the news, ahead of the curve. I've had conversations. I've had four different um, phone conversations with CEOs of companies that are doing really cool things. Conversations that I never would have, people I never would have met, and conversations I never would have had, but for Twitter. So. I've been really, really surprised, and it grows so quickly. I mean, I started out, you know, just being very um, cautious and careful and skeptical about Twitter, and then when I finally realized how much fun it is, and I've been following everybody who looks interesting to me, and I've been following Guy Kawasaki and um, and some other really prominent authors, it's it's just been, I've learned so much. I can get questions answered really quickly about technology things or about Twitter things, and you meet so many interesting people. I, I think I now have um, I now have well over eleven hundred followers, and I, I haven't been on there all that long. So it, now I've only been on there for about a month, like you, and I have seven hundred and forty-five followers. But the thing is, uh, you know, I I taught, I found people, um, people found me, and uh, and it's quite interesting, like you said, that the conversation that you have. With these folks, you're like, my goodness. This yeah. And weren't you skeptical at first? You, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. If you I, know was, I was. I was. I. I didn't know it was real time, actually. Yeah. Well, and not only that, but the whole 140 characters business. I thought, well, how much can anybody really say in 140 characters? And who really cares what I'm doing at the moment? You know. But what I found was that since you only have 140 characters, very quickly people get much deeper beyond the surface level of what are you doing now. And, and people start talking about things that really matter to them. And, and so it's a really great, super fast way to connect. It's much faster than email. I, I just, it's kind of like text messages with the world all the time. Faster and super yeah. speed. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so uh, let, let me something I really wanted to ask you. Um, and uh, let me see what this is about. And so I'm going to get to it right away here. Now, internationally, where have you been? Oh, goodness. Um, well, I've done a lot of work in Canada. I've done a little bit of work in Italy. Um, I've done some work in um, the U.K. And let's see, where else? Um, seems like I'm missing something. Oh, Niger. I went to Niger in West Africa, did some training over there. Um, now, would you – I mean, I'm, I'm asking these questions is – how would, I mean, are you amazed? Do you pinch yourself 
I said, man, I've been over here. How did I, I get over here? Yeah, it huh? blows my mind. It absolutely like when I was sitting in Italy, I was in Rome, sitting in this gorgeous lobby of this phenomenal, like very elegant hotel, waiting to meet these people, and I was like, well, "This is a dream come true." You know, how did I am here? I am in Rome. I am meeting Roman businessmen for a meeting in this gorgeous lobby. I just, it's true. You do you pinch yourself and you go, "How did this happen?" And it, it the international travel piece is really exciting, although it's kind of painful at times with travel these days and security and the amount of time that that takes. It's a little hard to balance with small kids because I have two small kids, so I don't do as much international travel now as I did before my kids were born. But um, but yeah, it's it's an amazing thing to be able to to experience other cultures and um, different mindsets and and to learn how to to learn how to communicate with people who have a completely different reality from what we experience here in the U.S. Right. Um, it's something that, now, I, like I said, I'm new on Twitter in, in some ways, you know, because um, I, I have hosted a radio show in Atlanta and in our state of Florida here. And um, this is new, really, to me. But I want to ask you a question here. And hopefully you can answer them. Uh, how do you do that messaging that that talk to other people talk to you on Twitter? You mean other than the direct messages that you and I have been uh, doing? Right. The, so when you get people to talk to you on Twitter, where everyone can see it, the way you do it is you do the little at symbol and their name, and you just do it in your, you know, the little box that says "What are you doing?" where you where you answer your updates. In that box, if you just if I were to do you know at RJ International, then I would, um, then you would be the message that I write to you would be visible to everybody. And if you answer me, you would answer at Susie Pomerantz, and your answer would be visible to everybody. Oh, in the direct message. Yeah. No, not in the direct message. In the direct message, just goes between you and I. In the update part, in the part where you, um, you know, if you just want to put something out there to everybody. You don't do it in the direct message part. You just do it in the update part. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. Okay, because I'm looking at it um, as a, I'm, I'm communicating right now. I'm trying to figure out how can I get someone to call in to talk to you here. It's early in the morning, so I don't well, know. <laughs> all right, here, I can do one. Um, let's see. We were with Susie, and I hope I said Susan. Susan? Susie, yeah. International, international speaker, superstar. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, call in and talk to her. Um, I know it's early for most people, uh, but call in and talk to her at 646-716-6089 and speak to Susan. And also, you can listen to this on podcasts all over the world, 26 different countries, internationally. It's RJ International Marketing with Susan Pomerant. Did you, did you see? I just posted it for you. Okay, let me see. I'm going to my tweeter right now. Okay, let me see. Home, home, home. You there? You posted it? Let me see. Home. Uh, hold on, Susan. All right, I think I see it. Um, no, I don't see it, but but I probably see it later. So <laughs> go ahead, Susan. Tell us what what other information would you like our guests to know about you. Uh, well, there's a whole bunch of free stuff that I have available for your listeners on my blog. So if people want to okay. go to suzypomerantz.com, www.suzipomerantz.com, there's a whole bunch of free stuff. If you go down um, the right-hand side of the column, you'll see um, under pages it says free articles, free podcasts. There's stuff that people can download also, if you want to sign up for my newsletter, you can do that. That's free as well, um, and I share monthly tips and strategies around business development, networking, marketing, sales, and leadership. 
Um, and there's a whole bunch of stuff on the blog that I'd love people to comment on. My second book that I'm uh, – um, actually, my third book. My second book is at the publisher now. It's called Yoga of Leadership. So um, that should yep. be coming out some – yeah, sometime in 2009. And then my third book is started on my blog, and I would love for people to comment on it and contribute to it. It's called Seal the, the Inside Deal. So um, we'll be looking at how do you advance your career, how do you take the, the concepts of networking, marketing, and sales inside your company and use it to advance your career and get promoted. So that's what that one's all about. All right. Now, how – okay. I spoke to some another author – uh, last week, uh, Trisha, and she um, she did a great book as well, and um, and I'm talking to these. It's amazing to me. I, I want to ask you how what how did it feel the first time that you spoke to a crowd? Now it's not the same as talking to a classroom of students, but when you really had to sincerely talk to 25 people. Was that a different feeling than talking no, to the young I loved, people? No, I love the small groups. Where it got to be a different feeling was when I had to talk to 150 people or 300 people, you know. Actually, when I was up in front of 300 people. Um, okay, you know, we got a caller. That was a shock. What? Oh, we got a caller calling in. I want to speak to you, so let's. Oh, great. Let's. Good morning. Good morning, caller. 217. Hello. Are you calling in to listen, or are you just calling in to want to talk to Susan? <laughs> okay, the, I guess the caller just wanted just to listen. I promise so. I won't bite. <laughs> <laughs> she you hung can ask up. A question. That's so, okay, let me let's go back to that uh, what we just discussed. Um, how did it feel? Um, it was shocking being up in front of three hundred people. You know. Um, one of the things that it's harder to connect with 300 people. When I'm in a room of 25 up to 60 people, it's pretty easy to connect with everybody. Um, it's easy to meet people as they walk in the room. It's easy to move around the room and, and talk to people individually. But when you got 300 people, you're up on stage. You're different. You know, you're in a different platform than everybody else. And I found that very difficult for me um, because I like to interact with people. I don't like to be the expert up on stage. So. When I teach and when I facilitate and when I do my talks, it's all interactive. But when you have 300 people, there's only so much interactivity you can do. You know, they can talk at their tables and they can talk to their people they're sitting next to, but I don't get to interact with them as much. It's either me talking to them or them talking to each other. Um, there was a little bit of back and forth with people asking me questions or responding to things, but I found it, um, it energy-wise, um, it felt very different talking to 300 people because – my energy felt pulled in a lot more directions than than was manageable <laughs> for me. Okay. Yeah. If you want to talk to Susan, I'm, we're having a great time. Um, call 646-716-6089, and she says she won't bite you, you know. <laughs> so so I, I believe her, you know. And um, just call in and talk, you know. We want to just, you know, hear your opinions. If you need to ask some questions about what she does, and so she could direct you to her blog, and perhaps you might want to purchase her book. Okay, is that right, Susan? Yeah. Well, the book is. Um, I'm not actually selling the book myself. It's um, it's through Barnes and Noble, through Amazon. Um, there's a. I think you can actually get it at Target online, which was kind of surprising to me when it appeared there, but. Um, you know, it's, just look for it online, Seal the Deal. I have a website, sealthedealbook.com, and that will direct you to places where you can buy it um, if you're interested in buying the book. And, um, so, yeah, the second so, book coming out is Yoga of Leadership. Uh, that will be out sometime in '09. Okay. So how successful has your book made, Susan? Well, it's surprising. I, you know, I was surprised at how well the book was doing. Like I told you earlier, you know, when it was picked up by all these different um, training programs and universities as a textbook, I thought, good grief. And I, I felt like it, I was suddenly being asked to speak a lot on the subject of business development. And it was it, it felt originally like it was pulling me away from my core business, which is executive coaching. And I thought, well, if I had known it was going to do this, well, I should have written a book about leadership or about executive coaching because – 
um, it opened a whole bunch of doors for me. I would recommend anyone who has a book in you definitely write it and get it out there because um, it just it's amazing it, what happens when you write a book is that suddenly people take you seriously at a whole different level, um, which has been really fun. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, let me see. Now, has well, okay. Let me ask you another question, my tweeter. Now, do you promote? Um, your book on Twitter for people to purchase it. Now, Twitter's a funny thing because when I first started on Twitter, when I was first trying to figure it out, um, I, I did do a lot of promoting. In the very beginning, you know, my first week on Twitter, I did a lot of putting uh, links out there about my book and about, you know, my my stuff, right? And I got a lot of messages from people saying, yo, yo, you can't do this on Twitter. That's not what Twitter's about. You know, you, you have to talk to people. You have to create relationships. And I was like, oh, good reminder. So Twitter is like any networking function. You can't just walk up to people and say, hi, I have this great book. You should buy it. You know, you have to actually talk to people first and create relationships first. And then if they're interested, you can point them in the direction of your stuff. But um, I learned pretty quickly. People are saying, you know, don't don't spam us. <laughs> <laughs> spam on Twitter is a whole different thing. Um, yeah, they would drop are, you. They, they yeah, would, you would start. You would start losing, um, losing people because of that. Right, and so people on Twitter are there to be in the conversation, and they don't want to be pitched to all the time. Now, you know, there's a ratio. I think there's a happy medium. I think if you put out one pitch a day maybe or you know it depends on how often you're on there but if you're on there all the time and you're all you're doing is sending out sales messages you're going to upset people um so i would definitely recommend when you're learning to play on twitter that you limit the the hey look at me here's my stuff kind of stuff and and really get to know people create really right well that's true <laughs> that's that's true anything you do because yeah. actually people won't buy if they don't know you, and they want to know you. So once they get to know well, you, then they buy. Well, it's and amazing they how, trust you, yeah. It's amazing how human nature is like that. And what's happening on, um, well, let, let me cut that out and let's say, how has social marketing, and then we'll get to that point that I was about to say, how has social marketing helped you without advertising because yeah, I don't think it's, it's a great question the social marketing aspect of it uh, there's so much great great technology out there right now and I've spent the better part of this year just playing with it trying to figure it out so for a couple of years I'd been on LinkedIn and people keep asking me what's this LinkedIn thing what are you doing with it and I didn't have an answer for the longest time. I was saying, I'm not doing anything on LinkedIn. I'm just collecting people. You know, I'm not, I didn't know. I said, someday I'll figure it out, and when I do, I'll already have people. But until then, I'm just collecting people. And I didn't know beyond that what any of this social media was for. And I think, I think Twitter, more than any of the others, is what really has taught me the potential power and the possibility of what, social media can offer us by way of marketing and networking because it, it's an opportunity to connect with and get exposure to people that you never otherwise would come across. They would have otherwise no way of knowing me, and I would otherwise have no way of knowing them. I mean, look at you and I, RJ. When would you and I have met, right? How would we have connected if it wasn't for Twitter? Absolutely. Yeah. Because just to make my, you know, uh, make something happen, um, on MySpace and Facebook, uh, that's going to be a hard to connect with other people quickly. So with that and said, Twitter has really connected with more people to interview, to find out and get a better perspective of their lives and what they do in social marketing or just their everyday lives. So I, yeah, it's been a it's great asset. It is, and it's a great, willing audience of people who love to contribute and participate. So if you're doing polls about anything or if you have questions about anything or if you just want to see what people are thinking or talking about at any given moment, it's a really great way to get a cross-section of the population and find out what's up with people at any given moment of the day. It's like dipping into I, – I, I read on a blog, I think it was Zen Habits the other day, that they were saying that all of the social media is kind of like stepping into a river – you know, it's moving and flowing around you, and you step in wherever you want, and you step out when you want to, and 
um, oh, I know what he was talking about. He was talking about the pressure, feeling pressure to keep up with it, like um, like another email inbox. You know, now you have all these people to follow and keep up with on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and Plaxo and MySpace and all those. And he was saying, no, with th- that's not the expectation. With the social media, you just you step into the river when you want to play, you have the conversations while you're there, and you step out when you're done, and you don't have to keep up with it and answer every message and you know, it's it's just a real-time conversation that's happening online, which I think is really cool because we can be connected globally now. Before, networking events required something you could you had to drive to or you had to get on a plane and fly to be with other people, but this is great. You can just connect with people anytime. It's a great place to get ideas for any work that you're doing. It's a great place to meet new people and um, get re-energized about anything you're working on. I, I just, I, I'm really a big addict right now. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually had to stop myself. It's true. I got so addicted to Twitter, I was finding that I was just not doing any of my other work and spending all my time on Twitter. And so um, one of the – actually, someone on Twitter helped me with that. I was like, how do you handle the addiction factor? And I got some great advice from people on Twitter who said, no, you just do it a couple days a week. You know, you don't do it every day or you don't keep it on all day long, you know, because <laughs> it can be very distracting. It's just so much fun to see what everyone's saying. Boy, do they say a lot? Yeah, and they, they put out great quotes and things too. I get a lot of inspiration. I'll be motivated. I'll be like, "Ooh, mercy!" Now, uh-huh. now what? We got okay. Let me see. It's been so fun talking to you. So let me make sure I got my timeline so I won't get off track here. Because <laughs> I just feel like I'm just talking to you on the phone. So, yeah. and really. This is a radio show, and we want everyone to get inspired, and we want to give them some knowledge. So give them some knowledge about what, you know, you don't tell them what you do. What encouragement would you give the listeners today that's listening all over the world that would help them to begin next year strong? Oh, goodness, that's a big question. Um, You know what, I think the biggest thing is, Positive thinking. You know, there's so much fear swirling around us right now because of the economy, because of all the various wars going on. You know, the Middle East has risen up again, and we're involved, you know, in Iran and Iraq and Afghanistan and all this stuff going on right now. It's There's a lot of fear. Um, and I think since 9-11, there's just really been a lot of fear around us, and it's just escalating um, in 2008. And so I think the best thing that we can do in 2009 is let go of fear and replace it with trust. Whatever religious beliefs you have, even if you don't have any, trust something or someone outside yourself. Um, Or if you don't believe in, you know, if you're agnostic and don't believe or atheist, you know, just believe in yourself. Trust in something and replace the fear with trust. Because what we pay attention to and what we focus on expands. And if we are all focused on fear and scarcity and lack, that's going to expand. But going into 2009, the best thing that we can do for ourselves and for our global community is to focus on trust and to focus on that things are going to work out fine and that there is good in the world and there's gratitude. You know, focus on being generous, focus on gratitude. Um, what are we thankful for? Because if we're focusing on gratitude, trust, and generosity, there isn't room for fear and lack, and and it's going to kick off our year in a much better place, energetically speaking. Okay, I, I'm, that is great, fantastic. Now, as a social marketing person like yourself and myself, name the best social marketing tools to use. If you can explain that that works for you. Well, you know, I think it's taken me a while to figure out that there are different purposes for different tools. So I think the one that works the best for me in terms of connecting with people and getting out there and getting visibility is Twitter. The one that works the best for me for connecting with people from all stages of my past and all stages of my present colleagues, et cetera, and social life is Facebook. Um, And the one that works the best for like recruiting when you're looking for a particular person to fulfill a job or a function is LinkedIn. And so, I, and, you know, I, I don't really know what to do with Plaxo just yet. Um, I, I find that it's sort of 
repeat some of what these other ones are doing. But but I think my top three are um, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. But I'm on a whole bunch of other ones, too, and they all serve different purposes. So MySpace is not really good for you? I'm not on there at all, no. I haven't. Um, I, you know, I when I looked into it early on, I just got really confused and turned off. And um, to me, it seemed like it was mostly for the entertainment communities, you know, like musicians and actors, and um, it didn't seem to be as professional a crowd. It seemed to be like a lot of children and musicians. Okay. So that's, yeah, that didn't work so well for me professionally, but um, I think a lot of single people are on there, too, you know, kind of looking for, I think it's more of a meat market than a professional networking environment, <laughs> and maybe I just haven't figured out how to use it, but. Well, hey, you know, what has you know, I look at it like this. If it's working for you right now and what you're doing, that's a good thing. If yeah, it's work- well, what's working for you? Are you on are you on my Well, page? I am on Dig. Yeah, I'm on Dig I'm, too. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, MySpace, Black Planet. Uh, and some I don't even understand, so I can't. I don't have time to do all of them. I just I do the main ones. I do. I never understood Lincoln, so I don't. I don't understand that one. So I don't know what I would be looking for. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. On LinkedIn, um, it, on LinkedIn, you can pose questions to your network. So what LinkedIn does, kind of like in Twitter. You know how in Twitter, when you follow someone, um, then the, it. If they post a message to you, then all of your followers get to see it. And if you post a message to them, then all of their followers get to see it. Well, mm-hmm. LinkedIn sort of extrapolates that. So LinkedIn says, okay, if you have 10 connections, then that mm-hmm. means based on their connections, you're connected to you know 250 people at your second tier. And at your third tier, from those 250 people and all of their connections, you're probably connected to 5 million people. You know, So what? they show you... They kind of show you how it how it expands out, you know. Like, so it, one of the ideas that sociologists say is that every one of us has, on average, a network of 250 people that we know really well—friends and family, close people in our in our close knit network. Mm-hmm. So, if you think about, let's say you have 10 people that you're connected to on LinkedIn or on any of these things, you know, if you if you're connected to 10 people and each of them has 250 people that they're connected to then you are potentially connected to 2,500 people, right, because each of them have 250 and there's 10 of them. And so of those 2,500 people, each of those 2,500 people has 250 people, you know, and I need a calculator to do that kind of math. Hold on. 2,500, 250 people. So that's that's 625,000 people that you're connected to just through your 10 immediate contacts, and that's what LinkedIn shows you. Now, is that the same way as Twitter? Well, on Twitter it's a little bit different because it doesn't count for you how many people you're connected to. On Twitter it just allows you to tap into someone, you know, like if you send a message um, that says at Susie Pomerantz um, on Twitter and it goes to everybody, then all of my followers, all 1,100 of my followers are going to see it. And if I send a message to at RJ International, then all 700 whatever of your followers are going to see it. So um, whatever you write that goes out, you know, not DMs, not the direct messages because those are sort of private, but whatever you put out there as an update or whatever you put out there as an at reply to somebody, then all of your followers see it and all of their followers see it. Right. So you get that expansion, you get that exposure. It's not the same as on LinkedIn where LinkedIn just tells you how many people you're potentially connected to if you wanted to, like, ask a question or Let's say you're looking to hire an assistant or let's say you're looking to hire a financial person or an IT person. You could put it out there on LinkedIn and you'd probably get a lot of replies from people that are somewhat connected to you saying, hey, I know a guy. You know, I know who would be perfect for that. That's what people mostly use LinkedIn for. But Twitter is just, you know, a big old party. (laughs) Now, I just just recently posted something on Twitter and uh, what happened, I was posting something about some information, and then um, I, I wouldn't. I'm going to ahead and say his name, John Reese. You know who John Reese is, don't you? No. John Tell Reese is the, 
John Reese is a big guru, guru, right? You know, he sells information products and all that stuff. Oh, God. And, uh, huh? Uh, and I'm with you now. Okay. And what happened is, I said, I said, John Reese done dropped me. And I'm the great supporter of John Reese. And I said, let me post this. Blah, blah, blah. And then I got, oh, I got hit real hard. A lot of people, you know, they didn't say anything, but they start hosting and they start, um, you know, joining, joining me and my uh, followers. My followers increased so quick that amazed me. I said, "What's going on here?" I've been up and that. I said, "Well, I had to voice my opinion, but I thought I was talking to 741 people, but I wasn't." Oh, so if I you was posted talking, it out there, you were talking to everybody, right? Right, so I said, got to be very careful when you do that. And, right, uh, because however many followers... I don't want to offend nobody, but I just was kind of like, hey, why you did that? Yeah, and so what happens is, so that's, you're bringing up a really good point right now, because what I saw, um, there was one guy who was, ta- I forget his name now, he was talking about Guy Kawasaki, who's the big famous author, and he was upset with Guy about something, and he took it onto Twitter, and he posted that he was upset about whatever, I don't even remember what the situation was. But what happened was because there was that conflict there, everybody got interested. And he suddenly had all these new followers because all of the people who are on Guy's list, and Guy has like 37,000 followers. So all 37,000 of them were able to see this guy's complaint about Guy, and that made them interested in checking him out. And I think that might be what happened with you, was that all of a sudden yeah. – you know, I don't know how many followers John Reese has, but if he's got thousands of followers and you post... Oh, he's got about, about 10,000. 10, okay, so if he's got 10,000 followers, all 10,000 of those people who happened to be, you know, on Twitter at that moment saw your post about him and went, hey, who is who is this RJ guy? And they had to go check it out. So that's how you right. all those new followers. Yeah, because yeah, I know because he, he had dropped off my follower, follower as a friend, so... So I was like, uh, I was kind of mad at him because I kind of supported his um, uh, the information that John Reese does, and uh, you know I was like, okay, John, you want to do like that? I <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. see now you have a radio show, and he's you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, well, hey, you have hey, to be hey. careful. Well, I forgive yeah. him, so you know, <laughs> but. Hey, I had to move on. That's something you have, you have to move on. You're like, whatever. Okay. You know, but let's, we got a few more minutes, and and I'm having a great conversation with you. So what do you want to put out that we might be missing? Oh, that's interesting. Um, hmm. What might we be missing? Because um, I don't ask you a lot of questions, yeah. and, and it's, uh, we got seven minutes in this whole, you know, hour conversation. So put something, you know, hey, put something Susie out there. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, I would just, you know what, I I just wish everyone the best and most prosperous, healthy, joyful, meaningful, amazing 2009 ever. I think that even though there's so many messages in our world right now about how everyone has to tighten their belt and crack down and, you know, so many things are going wrong. You know what? I don't I don't have all that doom and gloom sense. I feel like there's so much possibility, so much potential and it's the really the power of believing in believing in ourselves, being true to ourselves, believing in some kind of higher power. That's my personal statement. You know, I don't I think other people don't believe that, but that's okay. And we'll you know, it's it's really just a matter of having an abundance mentality. It's all about the mindsets and that's what I talk about in my book. That's what I do as a coach is it's really all about our mindsets. And if we can, um, you know, our brain is a muscle, just like any other muscle. And, you know, we go to the gym to exercise our muscles and get them in the shape we want. We need to pay attention to the muscle called our brain and and have it work for us and have it exercise the things that we want it to do rather than the things that we don't want it to do. We don't want to feed it a lot of garbage. Um, right. You know, we want to feed it some positive thoughts. And I really think that that's going to make all the difference for all of us in 2009 and forever, really. We just have to keep our heads above the fray and not, you know, we can't ignore the news, but it, I, I kind of like practicing selective denial, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> like, 
know what's now, going on out there, but don't necessarily um, have it rule your way of thinking. Right. I got one question I just seen that, that's on my, my paperwork. Because I always try to, every time I interview, I try to make sure I have a, a core questions that I want to ask. Okay. Since we got a little bit, four minutes or so, as a business owner, how do you keep motivated with so many businesses closing down? Well, I, you know what? I'm really very, very lucky because the work that I do is very personal. The executives that I coach are really dynamic, phenomenal, amazing people. And and they, you know, when we have a good relationship and, and they get great results out of the coaching, they pass my name along to the people that they care about. So word of mouth is, is really what's helped keep my business um, thriving for 16 years. And and what keeps me motivated is really all these new cool technologies and things that other people are doing. I really get energized by other people. I'm excited about your radio show. I'm excited about Twitter. I'm excited about all the ways to connect with people using technology these days. Um, and, and I just see a lot of possibility. I think that um, you know, keeping the keeping the saw sharp, like uh, Stephen Covey says, you've got to. You got to keep finding what's your next growth potential and what's your next edge and where are you going next. So writing the book was a big learning experience for me, and now I've got two more in the works. Um, so I learned a lot doing that and playing with all this online stuff. I, I can't help but think at some point I'll figure out how to leverage the internet. <laughs> and uh, hey, and hey, you're doing it. You're doing it right now. Uh, now. You know, it just it just seems like there's a lot of you know I get motivated all over the place from a lot of people. Recently, I found, um, you know, I listened to audio tapes with um, Robert Kiyosaki uh-huh. and Donald Trump. Donald yeah. Trump said early in his career that he thought he was gold. He believed everything everyone had said about him. He said he believed it. So he got comfortable. He started going overseas and traveling and partying. Then he lost his momentum. Do you, as a business owner, it seems like you, each and every day, you just keep going. Is that true um, in your everyday life? Yeah, you have to we keep going. we got two minutes now. Yeah, you have to keep going. It's constant. You, I mean, you can't. So here's the thing. One of the things that I talk about in my um, teleclasses, and it's in the book, particularly around business development, but this is true in business in general, is that the minute you stop being in action, Six months from that minute, you will have no business. Guaranteed. You know, yeah, you have to be in constant, constant action. It's like doing the dishes, right? You're never done doing the dishes because you keep eating and there keeps being more dishes. It's just like that with a business. So you have to. this is why you have to love what you do and you have to love the work and you have to love the people that you're interacting with because you've got to keep going. The minute you stop, you know, six months from then, you're, you've got nothing. And then you're really lucky, you know, and things are just automatic. But, I, you know, the kind of business I'm in, I don't have a lot of systems where things are generated automatically. It's all, it's, it's all me. <laughs> That's right. And you, and you have to keep on moving. Yeah. We yeah. got one minute and before the new year, and we got two days before, one day before the new year. What would you like to say? Oh, you know what? I am so grateful to you for this opportunity to talk to you and your listeners, and I'm really um, happy to have met you on Twitter, and I hope we'll keep in touch. And um, and thank you for having me on your show. It's really been an honor to talk to you. And you too. This is RJ in the National Marketing, and if we don't hear from you next year, be blessed. And thank you, Susan, for coming on the show. Thank RJ you. RJ in National Marketing. I'll see you I'm on Twitter. I'm your host. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll see me on Twitter. <laughs> uh, let's have some fun, okay? All right. And, I, you, and hopefully, hopefully you can come back when you get a chance. Thank you, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.